0: Welcome to another episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast, a series deep diving into businesses and investment opportunities. I'm your host, Jared Leary, and today's episode will be a first look at Storage Vault, Canada's leading storage business that's pacing the sector in scale and in growth. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Guys, firstly, I'd like to start this off with an apology for the delay on the podcast release. I know it's been several weeks. I haven't been able to record for the last little bit as I was road tripping down the west coast of the United States. And then I flew down to Guatemala, which is where I'm currently at, and immediately got very sick. So I'm just starting to come down off that now. I'm feeling a bit better. But if it sounds like I just ripped through a pack of darts, that is why. So apologies for the voice as well. I did put out a brief note on the podcast delay through my weekly newsletter on Substack last week, so if you're not following along on there, be sure to do so to keep up to date on all of the super exciting stuff, like me notifying readers that I was sick. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Anyways, it was a beautiful trip through the US, really amazing part of the world on the West Coast there, and also kind of fun getting to see some of the US-based businesses that I've either researched or am invested in, but aren't operating in Canada, just kind of brought out the investing nerd in me to see it. But as nice as it was to see them, I'm not doing one of those US-based businesses this week, because this week's episode is a listener-requested dive into Storage Vault, a pure Canadian company, ticker SVI, on the Toronto Stock Exchange, and yet another amazing example that sometimes investing really doesn't have to be that complicated, you know? You don't have to go out there and find the next Amazon or Netflix when you can just put your money into a storage container business, pretty much the most boring company you can find, and in Canada, no less, which is a super boring business environment in general, with almost no hype in the small or microcap scene, and it's still going to get you better than 30% total returns over the last decade. Like pretty nearly triple the returns of the S&P 500 over that same period, which honestly is absurd. So I was put onto this company by at Allie Crank on Twitter. Appreciate you bringing this one up, man. I think you've definitely found an interesting one here. But now let's get deeper into the company and see if they can continue that outperformance over the next decade as well. So Storage Vault, they kind of give away the game right in the name. It's essentially just a storage business. You know, if you're moving towns, maybe you rent a wee storage space to keep your stuff in as you shift everything to the new city. But the business itself really operates as more of a real estate investment trust, or REIT, in that they're operating a ton of real estate that offers these storage services. And this is a really, really attractive place to be. So storage is the best performing asset class in the real estate sector. For both Canada and the US. And it's still a mostly untapped market too. Like Storage Vault is the leader in the Canadian space as both the largest and fastest growing storage REIT here. And it still only has about 11.5 million square feet of real estate out of the estimated 90 million square foot total market opportunity in Canada. So the company sits at about roughly a $2 billion market cap in Canadian dollars. And by the way, the usual disclaimer here that all of the dollar figures I'm talking about today will be Canadian dollars. They pull in about 283 million in revenues, so roughly 7x sales, and just started turning a profit this year with 2.8 million in net income, so more than 700x earnings. But you know, a little to be expected when they've just started turning that profit. Now, I want to put some emphasis on the industry specifically here, because there's a lot of reasons behind the success that the wider storage sector has had. Lots of tailwinds, and lots of reasons to think that Storage Vault can continue growing well into the future beyond just continuing to eat into that total addressable market. And I mean, they're definitely continuing to do that too, by the way. You know, since the new management team took over in 2015, they've made a ton of acquisitions as kind of their focus for growth. But the industry itself should also be a growth lever that Storage Vault can continue benefiting from. So firstly, Canadians need more storage than ever. Average apartment sizes are trending downwards, while Canadians are continuing to acquire more stuff. According to the company. Anyways, I have no idea how they're tracking that particular metric. Like, (laughs) is there a stat out there on the average amount of stuff owned by people? But if it's true, then there's a lot more need for storage than ever before. And the population is continuing to grow really fast in Canada, now projected to hit about 100 million people by 2100. From its current base of about 35-ish million. Mostly because it's a fairly immigrant-friendly country, so as more people move in there, there will be more need for storage than ever. That total addressable market will just continue to grow. There's also a pretty nice comparison here with our big brother in the United States, where in the year 2000 only 1 in 20 Americans had used storage in the last 12 months, and by 2015 that figure was actually closer to 1 out of every 10. And they had a pretty big population growth over that period. So for us up here in Canada, we're currently sitting at that same 1 in 20 figure that the US had in 2000, and our population is starting to grow fast. So hopefully that figure will start averaging closer to that 1 in 10 metric, and that, in theory, would double that addressable market opportunity. Now, growth isn't always great, or at least it comes with nuance, you know, like, The more dollar figures flowing in and the more tailwinds for a sector, the more competition there tends to be. But there's some pretty significant barriers to entry in this space that I think makes that growth pretty sustainable for storage vaults specifically, should help the existing players in the space benefit from those tailwinds while making it harder for newer entrants to move in. And these barriers to entry are mostly the difficulty in getting zoning approval, and the inordinately high cost of anything real estate related in Canada. Take it from me, it's absurd. I've just accepted at this point that I'll never own a house. It's just never going to happen. Now, this part, of course, does also come with a bit of a con in that it also drives up the cost of acquisitions for Storage Vault, which, like I said, that's sort of their bread and butter for growth under the current management team. That's their main growth lever. But those prices are also helping to keep competitors out. So, you know, Bit of both worlds there. And the final note here on why I like the industry so much is that it has pretty low capex requirements. You know, the bigger issue is just acquiring the storage units. But once you have them, they don't take a lot to maintain. They need roughly three employees for every 100,000 square feet of storage. And there isn't a ton that has to be reinvested into the business to keep it functioning and delivering what customers are looking for. And on top of that, Storage Vault is the largest scale operator in Canada by a long shot. Like the next largest player in the Canadian market has about 70 stores, compared to Storage Vault's roughly 240, a little more than that now. So that helps to improve that net operating income margins pretty significantly just by hitting those economies of scale. And I think that's only going to continue as they keep acquiring more storage businesses. So there's lots to love about the industry, lots to love about Storage Vault's position in the sector. Firstly, you know, it's pretty rare to have the largest operator in an industry also being the fastest growing. And I think a lot of that comes down to some pretty significant cash from operations, which for the trailing 12 months sits at about $78 and that allows them to make more acquisitions than their competitors. And because of that, they can continue to grow faster as well. So that scale is going to be a huge tailwind for future growth for Storage Vault and really will help to widen that advantage that they have in the Canadian storage market. I also really like that the current management team has been laser-focused on improving cash flows and really emphasizing this part of the business to continue growing. Quick break here from the episode, folks, to shamelessly self-plug the other parts of Hourglass Investing. If you're enjoying the episodes and you want to get in on some more of the action, I've got good news for you. On top of these Tuesday podcast episodes, I also do weekly newsletters that come with a watchlist stock, investing tidbits, and highlights on other investor articles and writers. Every two weeks, I also do company-specific research articles that get into a company's history, business model, the balance sheet, industry, the investment potential, you name it, it's in there. So if that all sounds good to you, head on over to my Substack at Hourglass Investing, or you can check out my website for the full archive of material at hourglassnetwork.ca. Alright, let's get back into it. Now that's all the good stuff about Storage Vault, but there are definitely some concerns that I have on the business, just skimming through the balance sheet really quickly. Namely that the dividend payout ratio is well above 100% right now, despite it being a pretty small yield overall at only 0.2%, and also the amount of debt that it carries on the balance sheet, which is almost equal to the total market cap at about $1.8 So taking out the cash, adding the debt load to the market cap, we come up with an enterprise value basically double the market cap at $3.7 billion. Now five years ago, maybe that isn't such a concern, but in the higher rate environment that we're in right now, I think it is a bit more of a concern overall, especially with a debt-to-equity ratio of more than 800% currently and a cash ratio well below 1%, so not even really able to cover those debts with the cash they have on the balance sheet. Now that's a concern because even if the debt load falls short of putting this company at extreme risk of financial insolvency, at the very least it will lead to higher interest expenses and could limit growth over the next few years and that debt load is only further strained by the fact that they're paying out this silly dividend ratio. Now, those are my two main concerns. Not that I pretend to be a real estate expert or anything, so, you know, take this with a huge grain of salt here. There could be factors here that are more specific to analyzing REITs and that I'm just not aware of. I don't do REITs very often, but those are just the two things that I'm noticing as a major concern on the business, at least for me. Now, on that same note, I also think the concerns on debt are slightly mitigated by, you know, just the steady nature of the business. People pretty much always need storage, you know, constant cash flow kind of model regardless of the macro environment, and especially when you consider those industry tailwinds that I already talked about. In that way, it kind of reminds me of Dentalcore, which I did on the last episode not too long ago, in that the debt is a little harsh on the eyes, just going through the balance sheet. But when you put it in context with that really dependable business that's contributing cash flows regardless of the environment, then that does help to put me at ease with the debt load a little bit. And top line revenues grew at about 14% on trailing 12-month figures. So that kind of supports that, you know, it's continuing to grow regardless of the environment, even though that figure, that 14% growth figure is a pretty big slowdown from the roughly 25% five-year average revenue CAGR. Now, the other major concern that I have on Storage fault is pretty low returns on investment metrics, especially considering how long this business has been operating. You know, it IPO'd in 2007, it's been operating for about 17 years now, but the five-year averages for return on assets, returns on invested capital, and returns on total capital all sit around 0% while return on equity sits at minus 15%, and that's a metric I especially like to watch for consolidators or companies doing lots of acquisitions since they inevitably end up using equity to make some of their acquisitions. So at minus 15%, that's not really that encouraging for storage vault. Now, on the positive side, these figures have all been trending upwards over the last five years, so that does help to alleviate my worries a bit on the capital efficiency side of things, Plus, they've been growing the net and operating margins on the business pretty steady over that same period. Another big bonus. I always love to see those figures trending upwards. They're pretty slim, mind you. Like I said, they they only just started to turn a profit this year, but it's still positive. So I'll put that in the plus column for storage vault here. Gross margins hover pretty steady around 66-ish percent and EBITDA at roughly 50%. So not much growth there, but still steady margin profile. And the bottom line margin figures tell me that the business is starting to hit those economies of scale that I was talking about. You know, they're able to start funneling some of the dollars towards the bottom line. And if that keeps up and they can keep growing those bottom line margins, then the total returns on the business, obviously, they also grow. And then that will help the capital efficiency metrics, in turn, keep trending towards positive as well. I think if that's the case, this company becomes much, much more compelling it'll probably start to attract more institutional investors that are generally more attracted to dependable bottom line earners and that will lead to some valuation expansion. Not to mention, you know, like I said, the decent cash from operations that helps them to grow and that lower double digit top line growth that they've been able to keep going even in a tougher consumer environment. Now, I hate to be a naysayer here, but I really have to drive the point home. You've got to keep in mind those debt loans because those higher interest expenses could also mean that they aren't able to keep funneling money to the bottom line, and that could send the company back into negative net margins and potentially keep those return on capital figures lower for a few more years. Now, I'm going to call it an episode here, folks. Definitely a bit of a shorter one today because A, I don't know if you can hear, but my voice is starting to die. And B, this is a pretty simple business overall. You know, they're acquiring and managing high-margin self-storage businesses, growing their competitive advantage in an industry with a ton of tailwinds, and focusing on cash flows to continue acquiring more storage businesses across Canada, and hopefully use those to keep fueling the really impressive outperformance over the wider market that they've had over the last decade. Now, I always finish these first-look episodes with whether I'm more or less interested in the company, and I have to say for once that I'm still pretty on the fence about this one. Normally, it's an easy yes or no for me, but this one proved to be just a little trickier, especially because I just don't know the REIT sector as well as I'd like to, but also because it's just iffy in general. There are some things that I really like, you know, like the industry itself is quite attractive to me, it's got a lot of tailwinds, not a ton of competitors, and Storage Vault itself is a really, really attractive player within that space as the leader in terms of scale and growth. Plus, I love consolidators and this particular one has killed the game. It's grown from the microest of microcaps at just 1.5 million at IPO in 2007 to nearly $2 billion today. And it should be able to continue growing sustainably into the future unless that debt load and the payout ratio start to catch up with the business. Which brings me to the things that I don't like about Storage Vault: The debt load, the dividend, and the payout ratio. I really don't like those. Like to me, there's just enough growth opportunity there that there's not much point in paying out a 0.2% dividend yield at a 100% payout ratio, especially when you have these really large debt levels. It just seems a little bit unsustainable to me, so not the biggest fan there. And the real big kicker here for me is just those capital efficiency metrics that I was talking about. Just how long it's taken this business to start turning a profit. It's a little concerning to me. Granted, that may be a bit harsh, this business is clearly still focused on growth, making more acquisitions, so they're just not really realizing those returns yet. So I think that those are things that I could get over, but I'd need to dive deeper into the business and get a bit more a sense of where that growth story is, why it's taken Storage Vault like almost two decades just to be barely recognizing returns on their investments. I guess in summary, just a little bit of concern on how effective management is at making investments that are starting to generate returns, you know? Obviously, this hasn't really been a big detractor to them so far with the performance that they've pulled through, but a large part of that performance, I think, is just starting from a really small base as a tiny, tiny micro cap, a nano cap, really. But now it is firmly in small cap territory at $2 billion market cap, so I think if you initiated a position today that that ability to deliver huge returns like it has is narrowed, just as a result of now having that larger base to start from. You know, expectations change, a lot of the multiple expansion is already behind it with more institutional interest now than before, etc. etc. Basically, shareholders have lost that microcap advantage, and I think they need to start worrying a little bit more about the quality of the underlying business, which, just based on the low capital efficiency metrics, potentially isn't there. Now, again, that's a hot take, obviously very, very nuanced topic. I could also say that the expanding margins and the growing capital efficiency metrics would indicate that, you know, it is actually a fairly quality stock and that management's doing a decent job, which is why I just come back to like, I don't know with this one, you know, I, sorry to leave you here with no solid answer, but I think this is a name that just requires a deeper layer of research to be sure of the quality of the company and management. So that's my entirely useless two cents. I hope at least that the episode left you with a pretty decent understanding of the business, maybe helped you turn over a new rock in your researching process. And thanks again to at Crank on Twitter for dropping me a line on this one. If any of you end up doing a deeper dive into the company, please let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear more about Storage Vault. I love hearing from you guys in general. I've had lots of people reach out with questions challenging my assumptions, all of that. I appreciate it all. So yeah, please drop a line. I'll throw my contacts in the show notes for today's episode. If you have anything you want to talk about, notes on storage vaults, ideas for a new company deep dive, anything. And finally, just a quick note in case you did miss last week's newsletter. Like I said, I'm in Guatemala. I'm traveling around from hostel to hostel a bit. So, occasionally, I'm going to have some difficulty finding a quiet place to record in time for the regular Tuesday release schedule. Now, I am going to still try my absolute best to keep a weekly podcast release, especially now that I'm feeling better, but just don't be surprised if occasionally the episode drops on a day that isn't a Tuesday. Again, I'm going to try my best to keep pumping out quality content for you guys, so please don't think I'm abandoning you or that the podcast is done or anything. I'm still here for you, I still love you. And on that note, I'll be here for you sometime next week as well. Until then, happy investing, folks. All right, that's all for this episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast. Let me know what you think about Storage Vault. And if you have 30 seconds to spare and you feel like making my day, I would really, really appreciate a quick rating on the show. Does a lot to help me out and really just makes me super happy. So give the show a rating, give her a follow, give her a share. Cheers, guys. See you for another episode pronto. Quick disclaimer here, folks. I'm not a certified financial planner, analyst, accountant, or anything else to do with finance except a huge nerd. So please, please don't take anything on this show as investment advice. It's all for entertainment and education purposes. Please speak with a registered professional before making any investment decisions and back up everything you hear from me with your own research. Thanks.